Greetings from the Athletics Recreation Center. A few pre-pod announcements for you. Children are to be under the supervision of a parent or guardian at all times. Valparaiso University is a smoke-free campus. Please refrain from using tobacco products anywhere on university property. We thank you for your cooperation. And now your hosts from Las Vegas, Nevada, Parker Gatewood, and from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Paul Oren. Welcome to Union Street Hoops. Happy days are here again, Parker. They are. Welcome to Union Street Hoops, a weekly podcast that tells you all about Valpo basketball, the Missouri Valley Conference, our musical interests. Absolutely. Your workout habits and my eating habits. Yes. I just tried Panda Express for the first time, and I need to stress they're not a sponsor of Union Street Hoops. Right. But if you know anyone who would like to sponsor Union Street Hoops so we don't have to continue to record on uh, in a tunnel where it sounds like we are today because right. the audio equipment is temperamental. Mm-hmm. Um, let me know. But I just had my first Panda Express experience, and I had my fortune, and it said, a small gift will become a prized possession. That was my that was my, uh, Interesting. my fortune. And I think that screams Micah Bradford. <laughs> I think it could. It very well could. What a what great a night. couple of days for the Valpo basketball team. Oh, man. Uh, you go from... I think if you just listen to the tone of our voice the last uh, podcast, you know, well, <laughs> well, particularly the one after the Riverside game when yeah. we got up at 7.30 in the morning and tried to make heads or tails sure. of that. Right. Uh, and then they will lose their first three in the conference, and we're trying to make heads or tails of that. Mm-hmm. Happy days are here again they for the Valpo basketball program. Too straight, too straight. And then they looked very good in both. And Micah Bradford, I, I got to tell you, there are three players who I think we were ready to crucify the last uh, – podcast can we say crucify well um in the in the we were pretty sense. critical of okay, you know good that's another <laughs> c word well we were critical of uh micah bradford Derek smiths and jay soroya and uh two i think yeah i was gonna great say two. coaching moves by coach Lodick, going uh you know switching Derek smiths and jay soroya obviously has i mean the numbers speak for themselves yep. the best production that Valpo's gotten out of either one of those guys in a while. And then it's a subtle change, but really putting the ball in Micah Bradford's hands more the last couple of days. What what have you seen from Micah in the last uh, you know the last 72 hours or you know three two games whatever. Yeah, well I mean you know what you know what Micah's going to do. He is a solid player. Really the the difference, you know, between these last two games and games past is is he's passing well and he's you know he's finding players in position to score. He had seven assists in the game against Drake, and then he also had six assists in the game against Southern Illinois. And, and you know, look, we know Mike is going to hoist up shots because that's what he can do. He's capable of shooting from a long ways out, but it's nice to see that... Is he capable of making well, from a long ways that's out? that's what I was going to say, is that it's nice to see when his shots are not going down, he's now finding players who can put those shots in. Yeah, and, and really, I think the big difference in the last two games compared to everything else was the ability. I mean, Micah Bradford has 13 assists to just three turnovers yep. in the last two games. Yeah, that's, that's huge. That's great. Uh, he has missed six three-pointers in the last two games. He has missed uh, 11 shots in the last two games, but you know he is making things happen. There was a stretch there in the Drake game, four straight possessions with an assist. Yeah. 
I mean, shooters can be dialed in, but can passers be dialed in? I I think so. I'd say so. I, well, I mean, you can, yeah, you can definitely, you know, because you can make mistakes in passing the same way you can in shooting. And if you're in a zone and a rhythm to where you just know how to place each pass perfectly, then I think so, absolutely. Let's go back to the Southern Illinois game, and and we both we both got a chance to yep. high above the arc we were we were watching, and uh, in that Southern Illinois game, it looked like more of the same for Valpo. Really, they were down what eight or nine? Or they were down nine, uh, seven minutes into the game. Yes, and it looked like it looked like it didn't look good. No, it didn't <laughs> at all. And and you really kind of thought, what what is going on here? And then there was an interesting stretch there where I mean it's. It was uh, it was eighteen to nine, and Soroya made a couple of free throws. And then he got a dunk, and then Bakari Evelyn hit a three pointer, and then then they just went off. Yep. And it was Soroya again. He scored seventeen points in twelve minutes. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, yes, seventeen it is. points. And yes, it is. And he had five field goals. Three of them came off Micah Bradford assists. That Micah drove the lane and plopped the ball right into Jay's hands. Those two. We're really working a really good rhythm with each other. You know, it, until we were just, well, I'm I'm looking at the box scores right now, and I didn't realize that, you know, Jay had 17 and nine, so that's 26 in the last two games. I mean, that's, yeah, that's pretty decent production for for him from this year. He had eight points in five minutes in the first half against Southern Illinois, Valpo closing the half on a 23 to two run. Uh, that's, that's, you don't see that every day. No. A 23 to 2 run. And, and really everyone was doing a little something during that run. You had Bakari had three, three pointers in the first half and uh, God, he's really shooting the ball well. He is. From the three point line. He He is, uh, over the two wins, he was seven of 12 from the three point line. Real efficient. And that, and, and we, we had wondered, okay, Joe Burton's gone and we'll touch on that here in a second, but uh, who was going to score? Who was going to pick yeah, up? Yeah, who was the... going to be the second option? And you know, you think, okay, Bakari's a distributor, and look, he Bakari had six assists in the last two games too. So I mean, he's it's not like he's taking a back seat to distributing. I mean, right. he's still running point as well. But uh-huh. uh, when Micah has come in, they have moved uh, Bakari off the ball, and I think it's been great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Bakari, and you know what was great, especially in the Dre game, since it's you know it's fresh. We just it was yesterday. Um, was it Bakari hit? I believe he hit his first two triples, and and he was fired up right yeah. out of the gate. And I think that helps a lot because when Bakari's energy is high, I think everyone else feeds off of that, and I think that helped kind of get them going. And and you know they, I mean they jumped out on him, and that's you know they maintained it through the entire game. So I thought that was great. Also, worth noting um, in that Dre game, we talked about second option. I thought they entered the ball to Derek Smith's a lot in that Dre game. Now, he, now you look at the – he only had seven shots, but I feel like they put the ball in the post with him quite a bit. And he was able to pass out of it a couple of times. He had two assists and, yes. and did well there and got to the foul line once. Yeah, I, I think Valpo the last two games has made a concerted effort to get the ball inside. Not that they weren't doing it beforehand. They were mm-hmm. just – they're doing it effectively – Jay Soroya, again, the first game, 17-5 and five in 12 minutes. And I had a chance to talk to Jay uh, in between the Southern Illinois and Drake game. And I said, well, you know, you're out of the starting lineup. And he said, I have no problem with that at all. 
He said, I actually like sitting on the bench at the beginning. I get to watch the flow of the game. And I think it takes a, a special player to say that. And, and not only to say that, but to really believe that, to buy right. into that. And, and yeah, I guess if you're a big and you have to sit on the bench to start the game, you get to watch how the officials are calling it, which is so key, I think, for big guys. And you get to see a little bit of what their big guys are doing. And Soroya is not one of those I-need-to-start kind of no. guys. And uh, and I'm not saying that Valpo's got those guys. I'm just saying that he had no problem taking a back seat there. And, right. And if Derek can be as effective, and Derek was, was so good in the first couple of games of the year, and he looked like he's back to that a bit, if, if he can do that, if Jay Soroya can be effective, again, against Drake, 17 minutes, 9 points, Excellent, and and you know they really needed both of them, especially in the Southern Illinois game, because you look at you know we've talked about the second option a lot. If you look at the first option, Tavon goes one for ten in that game, only three points. Now he he had eight rebounds. He affects the game in way more ways than one. But I mean they were highly needed in that game, and you know who else Paul who's been highly needed in both of these games and who has produced is MVP. Max Joseph. MVP, Max Joseph. The first 96 games of his career, Max had double figures five times. The last six games, Max, double figures five times. That's a, When you told me that stat in game yesterday, uh, that was, that's an amazing statistic. That's crazy. And now granted, his first three years, he really wasn't asked to be a scorer. Right, he didn't need to be. But... And I don't. I didn't think he was going to be asked to be a scorer this year, but he certainly has been. Yeah. Seventeen against Southern Illinois on six of nine shooting, three of five from the three point line. Yeah, that's where I've been and, really surprised. I mean, he's in in these last two games, six of eight from beyond the arc. And he'd missed like what his first like twelve. Right. We made a point to bring that up. Yeah, during like the midterm grading, I'm pretty sure <laughs> that was his biggest. I think so. I didn't even realize that he was six of seven from the floor against Drake. Yeah. Three of three from the three point line, and eight assists and four rebounds. If he has a typical rebound day, he's getting into flirtation with a triple double. Yeah. There. And and let's not pretend that you know these shots that weren't threes for Max were easy shots. He made tough shots with contact, you know, in the lane. I mean, it, it, he showed that, you know, he has all that muscle for a reason, right? When, like, when they were being recruited, Max and Tavon, Max was the first one to commit, and Jake Diebler, now a Vanderbilt assistant, former Valpo player and coach, was the one who really had spearheaded the recruitment of these guys. And he told me he'd sit in empty gyms, he was the only coach there watching these guys that nobody else knew about him. And he told me that both of these guys, Max and Tavon, if they were from the U.S., would have been Big Ten players. Wow. Would have been. I mean, and, the, and he told me this, I think, after he'd left and go, went to Ohio State. Jake right. was there for a little bit. Uh, Jake Diebler was very high on these two guys. And I texted Jake last night after the game. I hadn't, hadn't communicated with him in a while. And, uh, and I said, uh, you were right. These guys were outstanding. And he was so... <laughs> He was so happy to hear that they'd done well, and he'd said, "You know, I saw that they won tonight." And he's been, he's been paying attention. And uh, for those of you that that know Jake, that listen to the podcast, uh, Jake and his wife Jordan are expecting in April. Great. And uh, and Jake is, you know, he's obviously um, 
going a little crazy with Vanderbilt right now. They're struggling this year, but they've got uh, recruits on the way. They're going to be very good, and and Jake Diebler, I do think, will be a uh, a head coach, you know, at some point in his career. And but he was he was the guy that uh, I don't know if he's the one who found Tavon and Max, but he's he's the guy that went watching them quite uh, a bit. It's a good find, no matter who it was. I mean, they've been playing very well. And uh, Tavon yeah. at the start of that game. Sorry to cut you off, but Tavon at the start of that game. I mean, he couldn't miss. What? What? So when you go one of ten in a game. I mean, how much do you want to score twenty points the first possession the next game? Right. You know, I mean it. It because again, he. I thought that was the most impressive part of the Southern Illinois game was that, you know, again Burton's gone, Tavon Walker goes one of ten, and Valpo won the game. You know, and, yeah. And they and they they needed the win. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, it's a home win against a team that Southern Illinois is going to have open tryouts. For walk-ons on campus next week when they get back to school <laughs> right they've got a lot of injuries there you know and they still had a guy who dropped 32 in that game yep. and i don't it was a quiet 32 very because, quiet because uh, you know everybody else aaron cook who was in that game was like deathly ill sean lloyd has just broke broke his nose on new year's eve and is trying to figure out how to play with a mask marcus bartley is coming off an injury so you've got Armand Fisher, uh, excuse me, Armand Fletcher and Kavion Pippen are the only two guys that were really full strength, and they took 34 of Southern Illinois' 61 shots in the game. Yeah, and I think actually, I think Fletcher had, like, I looked up at the scoreboard one time, and he had 20 points when the team had like 39. Yeah, yeah, like more than half their points. Yeah, and and so they're they're a team that is really really struggling right now. So. Um, you know, you, you walk away from that win, and, and I guess when you lose seven out of eight games and then you finally get a win, you really start to even think, well, how good of a win was it? Right. And, and you said, well, you know, they're down, Southern Illinois, they got injuries, blah, 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 outscored Valpo in the second half, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, you know what, it was a win, and it doesn't matter how pretty it is. And then you get undefeated Drake coming in, and I don't care if they were picked to finish last in the conference – because they were picked to finish last in the conference by media people, and we don't know a damn thing. Uh, but they were four and zero, and and they had good wins in those four wins. And Valpo, with the exception of Reed Timmer getting five early points, shut him down, held him to two more points for the rest of the game. He was the leading scorer in conference at nineteen point four a game, and Valpo almost went wire to wire in that game against Drake. And you, as you said, Tavon Walker when he came out in the Drake game. He was amazing. Yeah, he was hitting everything. I mean, he was he was, you know, his jump shot looks looked confident. He was connecting on plays where he would get contact in the lane. I mean, he you know he just he looked like a player who is one of the best players in in any conference you put him in. And and he was scoring from a variety of spots on yes. the floor. Like I'll I'll say this about Bakari. Bakari has been shooting very well, but he's. He's kind of found his spots on the floor. Yeah, the you know? wings. Yeah, he shoots really well from the wings. Um, and not to discredit, I mean, obviously you got to hit shots and he's oh, yeah, hitting absolutely. them. absolutely. But Tavon was, he'd hit from the three, he'd hit off of design plays, he'd yep. break someone down off a dribble, and it was a clinic. Off screen, mid-range, corner triples, you know, with contact finishes in the lane and one. It just, it, I mean, there's not a lot that, you know, he can't do on a basketball court. I mean, he's very talented. And, I mean, he made things happen. Maybe the most impressive play of the game had nothing to do with scoring. 
It had to do with a loose ball. It wasn't even a loose oh. ball. It wasn't even a loose <laughs> the ball. The crowd went crazy. It wasn't even a loose ball. The guy <laughs> from Drake on the ground had the ball, and Tavon dove in and ripped the ball. And I said, Like ripped it. I said in the post-game press conference, I said, most of the time when a player goes to the ground, they're trying to tie the ball up and to, you know, just get a jump ball. Right. When Tavon goes to the ground, he goes to rip the ball away. Yes. And he did that yesterday and got Valpo an extra possession. I don't even remember if they scored off the possession. But I, I amazing, amazing play there. Yes, absolutely. I, you know, it was the first thing that came to my mind. It was because that was the loudest we'd heard the building in a while. I yeah. mean, in a while. And, the, and that the first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, that is, that is a Valpo basketball fan right there. The loudest this arena gets is for a hustle play yeah. and a fundamental. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. That was, that was great. I loved it. Yeah, they were, I mean, justifiably so. They got, Max and Tavon got a big round of applause when they checked out of the game. I asked Tavon after the game, what goes through your mind when you dive on the ground trying to do that? And he looked and he said, they're weaker than I am. You know, and it's a good answer. Yeah, so, <laughs> that's a really good answer. And then we, I asked Max because he was in the post game as well, and I said to Max, "What, what goes through your mind? You do some of the same things." And he goes, "I did a lot of push ups, and they weren't for nothing." <laughs> and like, you know, two really good answers. You know, right. and obviously, and then and so then like Matt Lodick, kind of like a, a kid in a candy store, is like, "Yeah, both of these guys like to wrestle with each other." You know, I don't know who wins, and then these guys are going. You can watch the press conference on uh, on Valpo Athletics, and uh, they they kind of had a fun moment with each other. Yes. You know, and I think I said last year on Twitter, I said that Max Joseph looked like he lifted every weight over the offseason. All the weights, and uh, and and Tavon too as well. And I think their uh, I think their families are in town right mm-hmm. now, and uh, you obviously getting to play in front of their their mothers is a huge deal. Yes. For, you know, it's always you know, always worry about that. I think as a coach, as to what kind of emotion you're going to see and get when that happens. And uh, well, you know, maybe the first game Southern Illinois was uh, was a nerve wracking one, but certainly the, you know, ten of 16, 26 points, six rebounds, three assists, two steals. Yeah, he did have five turnovers, but uh, you know, and that. But what was impressive, I think, for me was the first half. Valpo, oh, easily, uh, ton of assists and very few turnovers. Yes. Yeah, and and both games actually, the assist to turnover ratio was it favored the assist side, so that's huge for this team. But also, I think, I think we should you know touch on how in the Drake game, I think it could be easy to look at a game like that and maybe kind of overreact, right? Like you mentioned, Drake came in undefeated. Valpo plays very well. You know, guys are hitting from everywhere. But, like, that's, you know, they shot 55, almost 56% from the field. They shot 50% from three. They shot 77, close to 78% from the free throw line. I mean, they hit a lot of shots. And you're not going to have, you know, not every game is going to be like that. You're going to have to grind out some, you know, some ugly ones, so to speak. And, you know, and, and against Southern Illinois, they jumped out to that big lead. They used that big run. And then they grinded it out the mm-hmm. second half too. I right. Mean, it, it was. Uh, I mean, they got the lead up to uh, to twenty two points there late in the game, and then suddenly went on a, a bit of a run there. But um, yeah, looking back at the season stats here, Valpo up to two hundred and thirty nine assists and two hundred and eighty five turnovers. I mean, they turn the ball over a lot, but they're 
Or on the comeback, though. That uh, isn't there. With that over-under. I'm still hopeful. Micah Bradford, 36 assists, 17 turnovers. That is, uh, that's good. There's uh, Max Joseph is 42 to 29. You've got John Kaiser, 13 to 8, and Bakari is 54 to 50 in assisted turnovers. Was the only guys on the team with a positive assisted turnover ratio. Mm. And look, consider this too. Uh, Valpo is turning things around without John Kaiser. Yes. Kind of a, a, the gritty, hard-nosed worker that he is, the lunch right. pail guy that that John Kaiser is. And uh, he yeah. says, you know, what's interesting about that is now I'm kind of curious. You know, from what we've seen the last couple of games, when when Kaiser comes back, where does he where does he fall? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's obviously, uh, you know, I I still think that it's clear that. There are some nights that Marcus Golder has it, and some nights that he doesn't. Yes. He's young, you know. He's he's you know, played JUCO. He redshirted a year. He spent a year playing. He's been you know to play at this level. He's still relatively young. Um, I think Marcus is going to have a pretty good career at Valpo, and uh, but you know I think there are some nights when he's got it, and some nights when he doesn't. Sure. And I think on the nights when he doesn't. I think John Kaiser probably gets a little bit more run in that. So um, let's touch on Joe Burton for a second. Sure. We, we talked about this last week. Uh, we pretty much knew that he wasn't coming back. Mm-hmm. Now we know for sure. The writing was on the wall. He's gone. I actually did a little bit of research. This is way before your time, Parker. But uh, the last kind of top 100 recruit that Valpo had because as good as Alec Peters was, he wasn't a top 100 recruit. As good of a ESPN ranking as Jay Harris had coming in, he wasn't a top 100 recruit. Um, The last, and maybe only, other than I think Bryce Drew was probably a top 100 recruit. uh, Was that, I think, wasn't E close to it? E Victor was up there at one point. Close anyway. Yeah. Um, Was a guy by the name of Tony Falou in... The uh, the the 2001-2002 season, he comes in. Falou was from Houston, 26 miles away from where Joe Burton played. Well, Falou is from Puerto Rico, but he transferred his junior high school to Waltrip High School in Houston, where he won a state title when he was a junior, and he was the number one ranked player in the state of Texas when he was a senior. Wow. Signed at Houston. Kind of a complicated story in that apparently he went to two prep schools before Waltrip, I think. Um, didn't tell the people at Waltrip that he did this. He's probably significantly older than anybody else sure. on the court. Um, I think Houston, which was coached then by Clyde Drexler, uh, said no. And he ended up going to San Jacinto Community College um, at JUCO. And uh, I don't know if it's community, but San Jacinto College, and uh, where he was like a top junior college All-American, comes to Valpo, plays at Valpo for 15 games, starts 10 of them, same amount of games that Joe Burton started, uh, played very well against Kansas and Arizona, comes back, he had missed a couple games, he was suspended a couple of games into the season for a violation of team rules, held out of a road trip to Indiana State, which was the first road trip that Joe Burton was oh, held interesting. out Interesting. Um, so this is such an interesting story. They, I was there. It was my senior year. I was basically living with the team. Uh, 
and uh, Valpo goes to Chicago State, and Chicago State, like now, is a team that you, I, and, you know, Todd Eichow and Aaron Levitt and somebody else could probably run with, I think. <laughs> and, uh, and I mean, I, I can shoot better than 4 of 32. I think we've established this. Right. Or we're right. going to establish this. Right. So, uh, Valpo's not moving the ball very well in the game, and Homer Drew gets frustrated, so he calls a timeout, and he tells the guys, you are going to pass the ball five times every possession. I want five passes per possession. And they come out of the timeout, and Falou gets over half court and jacks up a three. And to know, you know, Homer, timeout, pulls him out of the game. After the game, Falou says, I'm done. I quit. And Homer doesn't even give him a chance to rethink it. He sends out a fax that night. You're, he's done. He's out. And, uh, and they moved on from him. And it's just interesting because the last top 100 recruit that Valpo got from the Houston area, 25 miles away from where Joe Burton went to high school, um, is the last player to leave, last scholarship player to leave Valpo midseason until Joe Burton, mm-hmm. 16 years later. That's crazy. It's actually uh, the 16-year the anniversary of, of Falou. It's not an anniversary, but you know, <laughs> the 16 years right. of the day is uh, January 12th. Uh, so um, this podcast will, is coming out on January twelfth. Oh, so nice! So Happy there, birthday, Dad! By the way. Oh, very good. There is you that go. His birthday, January twelfth. It is absolutely. It, well, it's good. It's it's Mr. Gatewood Day, not Tony <laughs> Falu Day, or so. Joe Burton's gone. I you know texted him on 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 Monday when the news broke and and basically said what what are your plans, uh, you know, and, and he said preparing for the next level. Whatever that may be, I don't know if that's overseas. I don't know if I don't know if he meant next level, like he's going to go back to school and try to go back to Kansas uh-huh. or something. I have no idea. I assume he means going pro somewhere. Um, Eleven and a half points. You know, he started all ten games that he played. Forty-eight percent from the field, thirty-seven percent from the three-point line. Three point four rebounds per game. Six blocks. One steal. Eighteen months of frustration. You know and. Goodbye. It's tough. It wasn't, yeah, it was just such an, you know, Joe's time here was so interesting in that there was a lot of expectation early. It was kind of shaky, you know, people's opinions on whether he was going to pan out or not. Then he started to kind of get going, played some really, you know, played well in games that the team didn't necessarily play well. So he looked like he was kind of getting back into form. And then, and then gone. Yeah, what was interesting about the Tony Falou situation was Valpo needed him to try to beat Arizona and Kansas. They didn't need him to win the Mid-Continent Conference. Mm. This is a bit different, I think. Obviously, you need Joe Burton to try to beat the Purdue's and the Northwesterns of the world, um, and you really would like to have them. But, again, it didn't work out, and and he moves on. And and I thought it was interesting. We had a chance to talk to some of the players – after the Southern Illinois game, just about Joe, now that the news was finalized, and, and uh, you know, Micah said it was weird that, you know, he, he, he'd look around on the court expecting to see Joe. I mean, it almost kind of sounded like he died, which, you know, it's funny. I sent out some tweets, and someone responded to me, did he die or just not do his homework? And it's like, okay, well, he's not here anymore, you know? So for the lack of a better, I mean, he didn't die, but he 
died as a member of the 1718 Valpo team, right? Yeah. So, I th- uh, well, I think also that Joe, you know, was someone that was very well liked in the locker room. I think people had, you know, tremendous respect for him and also, you know, enjoyed just his company and being around him and playing with him. When a guy like Joe shows up, especially at a young team, he shows up with a pedigree of being a top 100 recruit. He chose Oklahoma State over Kansas. I mean, that's that's what people would always ask me. How good is Joe Burton? I'd say, well, he told Kansas no. <laughs> so, like, right. th- that follows you around. Yeah. You know? And, and uh, I mean, it, sooner or later, you got to put it together on the court. And, uh, and as you said, he started to do that. But, I mean, he had a year where he sat out. That's the difference between Joe Burton and a Tony Falou. Falou came in and played immediately. And... You know, Burton sat out a year. He got a chance to get to be part of the culture of this team and develop close friendships. I mean, you think about, you know, Micah Bradford coming in as a freshman. Joe Burton's been here for the entire time, so they were close. Uh, Bakari, Evelyn, very close. Yeah, they transferred, you know, in at the same time. And Marcus Golder, by the time that Golder arrives on campus, Joe Burton's been here for 18 months and his big brother. Yeah. And the flight brothers, you know, and like – and it's clear that after Joe was was held out, Marcus's play slipped a little bit. You know, yes. a couple of the, a couple. I mean, that Riverside game was was horrific, and uh, and it was his closest friends on the team that did poor. So, uh, what Max Joseph said the other day is, you know, we're playing for Joe. We, we he's still one of our teammates. We're we're gonna kind of win for him. And uh, look, I get motivation wherever you need to get sure. motivation. And uh, you know, it's it's good to see that. You know, in this in this AAU time that we're living in, where you cycle in teammates left and right, it's nice to see that these guys, you know, at least, you know, it's a brotherhood, it's a kinship, and all of that. So it would be it would be refreshing if next year there wasn't some odd outside situation that took one of the best players from the team. As as Max said the other day, we this feels like last year all over. Again. Yeah, we lived through it. We got experience with it, and, and now they, they're they better equipped to handle it. So, yep. um, But, I mean, think about that. Think about if you're Jay Soroya, uh, you know, a complete outsider to the States, and you come in and two two years in a row. You're Micah Bradford, two years in a row in college. You're Matt Loddick, two years in a row <laughs> right. as, yeah. as a head coach. That's tough. Man. So Valpo, and it's, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so Valpo moves on without Joe Burton, mm-hmm. and uh, and it looks like maybe roles are being a little bit more clearly defined now. I would say so, and uh, it's just it's interesting. I wanted to ask you, um, based on these last two games, ha- has your has your view kind of shifted at all as to where you you know where you think this team is going to end up in in conference play or anything? Because for me, for me, these two games, you know, they're they're good and for the team, and they needed them. You know, they needed these two wins just because since they started out zero and three, they obviously needed a pair of wins. They got them. I think it's it bodes well, and it's nice to see. But I don't know that necessarily. I I think that it changes my thinking much in terms of where they're going to finish. And I, I think I said sixth. So. Yeah. No. I well, the conference itself was turned on its head on Wednesday night. Missouri State lost their second straight game. Northern Iowa picked to finish second. Right. Dropped to <laughs> zero and five. Yeah. So now Valpo's going to go to Northern Iowa on Saturday. Oh and my. This has all the recipes of a 25-point loss for Valpo. Yeah, it does. I, I and it, it, it's really got nothing to do with Valpo. It's, no. You, you've got, you've got your first, like, 
long road trip in the conference. You know, they're flying there. Uh, you know, uh, Northern Iowa is a, a five and a half hour drive away, but with weather, you never know. And right. I'm making the drive on Saturday morning, oh, so we'll see. Uh, but uh, for me, Northern Iowa, I mean, they are up against it now. They're 0-5, and, yeah. and they're a good team. They're just not working they got espn2 coming in i'm sure the place is going to be packed and to me i just feel like time seems to be northern iowa is going to put it all together and i don't it wouldn't matter you could put missouri state going in there you could put loyola you put evansville whomever i just think after five straight conference losses a talented team like northern iowa is gonna find their stride and I almost fear Valpo. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about last time must-win games that aren't really must-win games. I think this, for Northern Iowa, is probably one of them, right? 0-5, and and then, you know, to go 0-6 would just be, obviously, just add to the the hurt. But um, it's on ESPN2. Valpo has won two and are, you know, are feeling pretty okay right now. But But look at how Valpo responded in that Southern Illinois game when their backs were against the wall. That's fair. They were at home on a Saturday. 0-3 in conference. They they ripped off a 23-2 run. (laughs) They did. I just, look, I'm not, this has got nothing to do with Valpo. No. doubting Valpo or anything. I just think that Northern Iowa, if they're worth anything, which I think they are, They've got a great coach. They've got talent on the team. They are going to be all hands on deck and deliver every, you know, full guns blazing on Saturday. And Valpo's got to know that and got to figure out a way to meet that challenge. How did ESPN pick this game to put on ESPN2? I think this was this was picked prior to the start of the season, I think. Oh, the really? That, the one that surprised me was when Valpo started 0-3, they picked the following Sunday – uh, the twenty first, Loyola is going to be yeah, here. Yeah, right. That's on I saw that U. because yeah. that was a recent uh, development, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, and I think the other game that day was a Northern Iowa game. So, yeah, but I mean, I think, I think this will be a good. I, I mean, I don't know what kind of ratings a, a two and three Valpo at zero <laughs> and five Northern Iowa is going to get. Right. But I think this is a good showcase game for Valpo to you know, to go into a, a perennial really tough team. Yeah, I mean, most people know Northern Iowa. You know, they've had tournament success before. They've been in the MVC. Yeah, and so I think I think that's obviously a huge game. And then the one after that at Missouri State, which is odd. They're going to have both of the Missouri State games out of the way before they play Loyola or Evansville yeah. or Illinois State. Um, but that uh, obviously these next two games, If I even think if Valpo can split the next two games, yeah, I'd be positive. They're in a good place. I mean, that Missouri State game at, you know, Amazon, that's going to be tough. And, it was and, a tough know, game last year. Yeah. I mean, Valpo needed needed Alec Peters getting fouled on the last play of the game. <laughs> right. Well, that was the first night without Jabril Adekoya, and they didn't have Max Joseph that game. But, uh, you know, I, I think – I do think those two wins were huge for Valpo. But at the end of the day – I mean, you can look at it in either way you want to look at it. You know – uh, you got the win against Southern Illinois. You like, you know, you, you had a dominating run and you won your first conference game. That's a great accomplishment. Or you beat a team that had seven and a half healthy players. Mm. You can look at Drake and say, "Oh, we beat the four and zero undefeated team," or you beat the team that was picked to finish last in the conference. 
So, uh, you, I mean, you can get the numbers to tell you whatever you want them to tell Always. you. Always. And that's, yeah, that's in anything. You know, Micah Bradford had an amazing two games because he had 13 assists. Or Micah Bradford couldn't drop the ball in the ocean. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. whatever you want the numbers to tell you, they'll, you'll figure out a way. Exactly. That's why I think the way that we talk about government and the media right now is so... <laughs> So great oh, because so, this is a basketball podcast, okay. Paul. All right, <laughs> calm down over there, Skippy. <laughs> um, I think Valpo, if they could split these two games, are in very good shape. Yeah, and uh, if they can somehow win both, I think the conversation changes. And if they lose both, I don't think they're a bad team. That you're going, these are probably yeah, the those two are t- toughest tough. games. I don't care if they're zero and five, sure, or zero and ten, or zero and fifty. Northern Iowa on the road is going to be a tough set. Nationally televised. Be, yeah. It's tough. It's going to be a tough game. But I think it's going to be a fun game. It's going to be a low of negative seven on Saturday. Oh, good gravy. That's awful. Yeah. In so, Iowa? Yeah, yeah. And you're yeah. going to – oh, man. Yeah, yeah. No, you, get, yeah you, get, you get to go to I Iowa. Do, I do get to go. Oh, man, what a treat. World's largest truck stop on I-80. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. That's um, – and, uh, and then after that uh, – yeah, uh, my uh, my old buddy, uh, longtime uh, friend, WVR uh, assistant sports director, and I was a sports director in college. Tim Harwood lives just outside, and then uh, that's good. Uh, Northern Iowa women's basketball broadcaster, former uh, Valpo broadcaster, student broadcaster, Chris Kleinhans Schultz. Sure. And perhaps most importantly, Northern Iowa beat reporter Clay Cunningham. Oh, Cl- oh, that's my guy. That is your guy. I'm a big Clay Cunningham fan. Clay Cunningham got his master's degree in sports media from Valpo and uh, and did a lot of fun stuff here. And Parker, you know him very well. And uh, and so it's going to be there's a lot of Valpo people that work in and around Northern Iowa. So that's why I'm going. Oh you yeah, know, that's well, no, that's uh, that's good stuff actually. I mean, aside from the fact that you're going to Iowa, you know, that sounds okay. <laughs> What you got a hate hating on Iowa? Here? No, I'm just saying. You know, it's probably it's a pretty nondescript place. I yeah, think. right. You know, I, it's like a... it's like where where do you want to go? Do you like do you want to go to Arizona or California? And then you're like, where don't you want to go? Well, Iowa <laughs> or North Dakota or you know. So okay, so like Iowa is like the Midwest version of like Delaware. Like, it's just kind of a state. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I don't think I'd want to go to Delaware. So either. what is it out west? Like, I mean, you're from Nevada. Oh, yeah. What, well, I mean, obviously. What is, what is the Iowa about? Is it Wyoming? Uh, that's probably fair. Uh, Montana is a spot. Phil Jackson likes to go to Montana. Well, and Phil Jackson also got fired. So, you know, there's that. Phil Jackson also won but... 13 <laughs> I know. He's, he helped the Lakers big time. But anyway, the um, yeah, I think probably, yeah. Why I don't know anyone that has ever gone to Wyoming ever, actually. <laughs> I, I and I have a cousin that lives in Montana, but I just other than her, I don't know anyone else that goes to Montana. Well, I'm looking forward to going to Iowa for the sheer fact that as you should. Yeah. So here's I'm I'm gonna end this now with with a great Iowa story that lets you know a little bit of how great Iowa is. Fantastic. Uh, because apparently you don't know much about this. Apparently. So I'm like uh, I'm like. 10 or 11 years old and my dad my stepbrother and i are going on like a guy's trip and we go to the field of dreams uh where the oh, movie great. was filmed in dyersville in iowa which is a great town name dyersville a great pitch already yeah and so we uh we we're gonna go camping though we we're gonna go like find a campground just you know roll out some tents and everything like that 
And uh, we were in some small town. I have no idea where because I'm 11 and I'm not looking at the map. <laughs> right. And uh, we go. To, and, and so my dad goes, well, he's like, here's a word of advice for you guys in your life. Uh, if you're looking to find anything, go to the town bar and they'll have all the answers. So we go to the bar and there's no drinking age in Iowa from what I can gather. Like, at the, like if you walk in the bar with your dad, like they're not going to be like, you know, so they had a pool table and so we're playing pool or whatever. And, and my dad, you know, bellies up to the bar and, uh, and gets his rolling rock and, and says to the, to the, uh, the, the woman who was the bartender there and then her husband was the owner of the bar and they, they owned it together. And uh, they were both, he was the cook, she was the bartender. And, and my dad says, well, we're looking for campground around here. And they tell him where it is and everything. And we end up hanging out at the bar all night. Their kid was our age, my brother and I, and we start playing pool there. And like, I don't know, like it gets to be like nine, ten o'clock at night. They're about to close up. And, and the woman's like, you know what? It's cold outside. We've got a spare bedroom. Just stay at our place. And, like, we were getting along with their kid and everything like that. Uh, so we ended up staying up all night telling, like, ghost stories and everything. I woke up in the morning, had the greatest breakfast ever, like, country, ham, sausage, pan, everything. And as we're driving away, my dad's like, well, that's Midwest hospitality right there. Complete strangers just saying, hey, stay in our house. If, if anything, that is the great thing about the Midwest. Yeah. It is that, the, you know, everyone's very... Hospitable in in Las Vegas, they they would go and then spit in your face. <laughs> so, so I don't have a place to stay yet in Iowa. I'm just banking on going to the bar. Yeah, and, sure. Uh, the girlfriend and I are going, and, uh, and and then they will offer you a place to stay. Yeah, and hopefully with some ham and some pancakes and sausage in the morning. That'd so be great. I might try to find the town, and maybe I can go to that bar again and find out where that was. That'd so, be good. That'd be fun. So Northern Iowa on Saturday should be a blast. Valpo then. Uh, plays at Missouri State the following Wednesday. What is your prediction? I'm going to say, I, I, I'm just going to say 0-2 on this road trip. Yeah, I and, and I think 0-2, and I think it has very little to do with Valpo. Yes, I agree. I think, I think, I, th- I think actually, I feel like it's going to be 0-2, but I, I still think they're going to play these games pretty well. No, I agree with you. I think, I think well... I think Northern Iowa will be the bigger loss than Missouri State. Mm-hmm. I think that Northern Iowa is going to be clicking on all cylinders and is going to is going to find a win somewhere. Sure. Again, they could be playing, you know, the Harlem Globetrotters, and I think they which the Harlem Globetrotters are coming to the Ark. On they the are 17th. coming to the town. PSA, yes. January seventeenth at the Ark, Harlem Globetrotters. Um, so Valpo, I think going to Northern Iowa, I just think it's a tough, tough, tough game because Northern Iowa. I think if you're 0-5, you throw out everything and you just challenge the pride of your players. Yeah. And I think Ben Jacobson will do a good job at that. Valpo lost by 17 at home to Missouri State on New Year's Eve. I, I think Valpo loses again at Missouri State, but I don't think they lose by 17. I think Valpo will play much better. I think Valpo... And this will be a good test, too, for Matt Loddick because it'll be gut check time. It'll be guys we're playing an opponent for the second time this season... How do we handle it? Mm-hmm. How do we handle adversity? And uh, and I think that that's important to to look at. So I, agree. I think uh, I think zero and two. I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised by one and one. And um, I'd be pretty shocked by two and zero. Oh. I, I, yeah. I, I, I agree. And I think that's because they're road games, and I think they're going to be tough. Yeah, they're so. road games, and they're they're tough teams. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, you know, with the continued. 
you know, Derek Smith looks like he's back in the starting lineup and, and Jay Soroya. But as, as Matt Loddick said to me, and I'll end with this, uh, it, you know, don't be concerned about who starts. Be concerned about who finishes. And I thought for a stretch on on uh, Wednesday against Drake, there was that lineup of, of Tavon, Max, um, Marcus at the four, uh, Bakari, and Jay. And they played... Uh, they played like eight minutes with each other. I think they were plus nine on the court, and that's a lineup that I don't think has played against D1 competition all year. And and uh, I just think that the little lineups within the game, I think, are, are things to pay attention to. So, uh, what about you? I mean, are you uh, are you buying or selling Valpo here at this point of the year? In in terms of like more so than more I so thought... than the last podcast. Uh, oh okay. well, I, definitely more so than the last podcast we did. But um, I think in terms of, you know, position in the conference, I don't think it changes much. I still think that, you know, it's the first year in the Missouri Valley Conference. I still think they're going to have to try to figure things out on the fly, you know, with this being the first season. Uh, I think that this road trip will probably be 0-2, but I, I do think they're going to play well. And I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if they did steal one. I'd be surprised, like you said, if they took two. But um, if they if they snagged one, you know, I mean they they played well in the last two games, so it could it could translate. But um, I I still think that they'll finish around the same spot that I thought before. And that's around sixth. It should conference. be noted here as we wrap up that uh, that they it's a road trip, but it's two separate road trips. They're flying to Northern Iowa. They fly back right after the game, yeah. and then they'll fly on Tuesday to Missouri State. As a matter of fact, with the exception of I think Loyola and Illinois State, I think. Uh, I think Valpo's flying the rest of the way this year, um, from what I understand. I think that they've... Uh, the upgrade. Yeah, that's good. It's good, li- good <laughs> life if you can get it. Real stuff. Uh, I am not flying the rest of the way. I am. Yeah. Uh, I no am, better place to fly to than Iowa. I am excited to drive to northern Iowa. I am excited to... I'm not going to Missouri State. I am excited on February 3rd to take the uh, the Bowker fan van. Oh, yes. I heard about this. The Bowker fan van to Homewood. And we're going to take the The Amtrak. hashtag Valker yes. fan van. We're going to take the Amtrak. Uh, he's soliciting people to go. we got like six people going My gosh. Uh, we're taking the Amtrak. Uh, we're going to be, we're, we're like leaving at like 3.30 in the morning after the game. It's going to be, uh, I can't wait. I, this, is, uh, this is middle America. When you're in the hashtag Bowker fan van, you need to be on your phone and you need to take questions for not only you, at, at on Twitter at NWI Oren, yep. but you need to whoever else is in the car in the fan van. Yes, we gotta have questions. We did for this them. last year when we drove down to uh, it was myself, <laughs> uh, John Bowker, Ken Hall, and Anthony Schalk went down to uh, Lexington for yes, uh, Kentucky. And so uh, this is this was the nerdiest trip ever, and I loved it. Every time a car would drive by with a new license plate. <laughs> Bowker would fire off the last team from that state to beat Valpo. Oh my gosh. He's an encyclopedia, and it's great. It's, it's, yeah. it's awesome. Oh, one thing we should mention. Nothing but net. Man. And, he, and you know John Bowker listens. I, I'm a big Bowker fan. He's the voice of Union Street. Right. I, I, I just... Here's the problem that he's got. Uh, Centier Bank three-pointer. Centier canceled their, their ad. Thing. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I think that whenever there's a three-pointer that's made, I think many times there's this idea that you want to say send to your bank three-pointer, but yes. you can't because they're not sponsoring Yeah, you need something to say for sure. And so 
uh, John has gravitated toward nothing but net. They're not always nothing but net. Not always. Sometimes they're rim rattlers. Sometimes they're off the backboard and in. <laughs> um, but uh, it's it's hilarious. I love. I don't get me wrong. I love Bowker as a PA announcer, as a person. The energy, it's great. I just every time, you know, it hits the rim and then nothing. I didn't realize that Bakari Evelyn's last name had seven syllables, but that's what it did yesterday. <laughs> when <laughs> yes. Nothing but love, JB. Absolutely. I can't wait to be in the fan. You are you are the greatest, Bowker. Nothing but net. Nothing but net. <laughs>